Greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this at 11.13 p.m. on a Sunday night. Uh, Today was yet another super duper awesome service for us. Um, The band was awesome. Hannah talked about prophets, Deuteronomy, all sorts of cool, nerdy Old Testament stuff, which is like kind of my favorite. So it was a really great service today. Uh, A couple things I want to just make sure you're aware of. We've been talking a lot about a couple events we have coming up. And we have some changes. Number one, the yoga, which is yoga with Theo. It was, uh, it's still this coming Saturday, the 6th. It was going to be in the park, but we were trying to um, do everything the right way. And so we notified the city that we were going to be there. And then they wanted us to jump through like a million hoops where we could have probably just shown up and no one would have cared. <laughs> so we don't have time to jump through all those hoops at this point. So we're going to be doing the yoga at uh, the opera, which is where we meet for church on Sundays. Uh, so bring a yoga mat, bring some water. Um, it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, please let us know if you're going to come. You can RSCP at diff.church and then click on events. We've heard from a ton of people that said that they're definitely going to be there, but we don't have a lot of RSCPs yet. So we just would like to be able to... Um, kind of get an idea who's coming and what to prepare for. Um, Number two, we have been talking about these diversity trainings uh, that we're going to be doing, and they are both on hold for now. Uh, A really good friend of the church and uh, the person who is going to be leading them, uh, his name is Cole. And unfortunately, he has had some medical problems and he's been in the hospital uh, so much so that he's got to go fund me right now and just uh, be on the lookout for the church social media. Uh, we will share it from there if you would like to donate. And I'm sure we will probably be making a donation as a church. And as soon as he is back out and ready to uh, get moving again, we will get those scheduled. Uh, if you'd like to, you can still RSCP for them. That way we have your info and we can reach out to you when they are ready to go. Um, okay, I think that's that's probably it. We uh, This is going to be my shortest intro of all time. It'll get straight to Hannah and the nerdy um, Deuteronomy stuff. Uh, I did. Um, I kind of redesigned diff.church, so go check it out. The tabs are a little bit different. Um, yeah, hit it up. Let us know what you think. Okay, let's jump into the service. I'm calling this one Prophetess Hannah and uh, Prophetess, why don't you share the uh, scripture for today with us? So our passage will be up on the screen. It's from Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 20. And it says, Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord. Your God, when you were assembled at Mount Sinai, you said, don't let us hear the voice of our Lord God anymore or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Dramatic. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell everyone, he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. Okay, background. I'll know I like a little bit of background. Deuteronomy is set at the end of Moses' life. Moses was the only leader the Israelites have ever known. Scoot over. You're going to get some extra sound effects you didn't account for. (laughs) 
So he was with them when they left Egypt and they went through the Red Sea and the waters parted and the whole thing. And then they wandered around the desert in between Egypt and Israel for 40 years, possibly longer, just a long time they were wandering around the desert. And he was their only leader. But now he's near the end of his life. He knows he's not going to get into the promised land. God already told him this years ago. He's resigned to it. He's accepted it. The problem is his death is putting the whole community in jeopardy. So for over 40 years, he's led them. So if he dies, there's not only going to be a power vacuum, there's going to be a God vacuum. He's the person who speaks for God. He's the prophet. So he's been getting God's messages and relaying them to the regular normal people since the beginning. So here he's giving his final address. He's like, I tell you all these things before I die, just so you know all of these things. And this is part of his address, what we just read. And he tells them that God's going to give them another prophet, and they're very nervous. They're like, Moses, you're dying. We don't want God to talk to us directly, so there has to be another one of you. And they really do not want God to speak to them. And this actually goes back to Exodus, which I find hilarious. So when God, everybody knows the story of God giving the Ten Commandments, right? So God gives the Ten Commandments, and he also gives all these other rules and regulations and things that they need to follow. So when this happens, it says in Exodus 19 that God descends from heaven and to give these instructions to the Israelites, and there was thunder and lightning and smoke and fire and thick clouds, and the entire mountain had an earthquake, and there were random trumpet blasts. So naturally, the Israelites are like, please don't talk to us. <laughs> OMG, literally, terrifying. Please don't ever talk to us again. Like, can you imagine if you were just praying and then God started talking to you? So on top of God's actual voice, there was a lightning storm, a fire, an earthquake, and a trumpet concert. All happening at the same time. I don't think I would want God to talk to me after that either. I'd be like, no, thank you. So the Israelites, they experience this event in Exodus, and they go to Moses, and they're like, so we have this wonderful idea. We came up with this all ourselves. Okay, so Moses, listen. God is terrifying. Can you just talk to God for us, please? Please. We're begging you to talk to God for us. We do not want God to talk to us directly because we cannot handle the overstimulation. In fact, if you think that's dramatic, our passage says it even more dramatically. It says, if I, this is what the Israelites said, if I hear the voice of God anymore or ever again see this great fire, I will literally die. I added literally because I felt like it went. But like, they're saying, if God talks to me, I will fall over dead. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have that problem anymore. So Moses is like, okay, I agree to talk to God on your behalf. And God's like, okay, I agree to talk to Moses on your behalf. And y'all complain all the time and get on my last nerve. Seriously, so it's probably a good thing that I talk to Moses instead of you because I would just smite you. At least that's how the narrative goes. So Moses' death is coming and the people are getting very nervous. They're like, okay, but if you die, does that mean God's gonna talk to us again? Because we can't handle it. We literally can't handle it. And Moses is like, okay, calm down. God's going to give you a prophet like me. He will be one of you. This person will be from the group of you. There will be someone that God talks to on your behalf. So then Moses lays out what God says about this person who's going to be appointed. This is what's going to happen. God will speak directly to this person, just like God spoke directly to me, Moses. And then this person will faithfully relay what God said to you. So you will never have a question about what God thinks. You'll never have a question about what God is doing. There will be someone who can tell you what God thinks. And anyone who doesn't listen to this person will be held accountable by God. Like when your kid, you tell your kid something and then they disregard it and you have to discipline them, but on a cosmic global scale. 
So this is crucial though. If someone is claiming to be a prophet and they do not faithfully speak the word of the Lord, God's actually gonna hold them accountable and not the people who are listening to them. So if they change what God says or alter it in some way, if they just make something up because they haven't had a word from the Lord in a while and they're like, well, this is my job description. I should probably say something so that people think that I know what I'm talking about. Or if they come to the people with a message from some other God, not Yahweh, if any of those things are true, then God's gonna hold that person accountable specifically. In fact, it says that person will die. There's a lot of dying in this passage. The Israelites are like, don't talk to me, we'll die. God's like, but if you don't listen, then you're gonna die. And if you do bad things, then you're, this is just so much death. Pretty strong warning, right? However, even though this is a pretty dire warning, throughout Israel's history, prophets were not rare. You would think that they would be rare. God's like, if you are false, if you speak lies to people and mislead them, if you take my words and you twist it and make it something awful and people believe you and follow you, I will hold you accountable for that. So you would think that people would be like, I do not want that job. No, <laughs> everybody wants a job. Why? Because it comes with a little prestige, a little power. People listen to you. At one point, the king of Israel had 400 prophets at his disposal. Seems excessive. I don't know, like modern day Israel, tiny nation. Ancient Israel, much smaller. You did not need 400 prophets. So he had 400. Finding a prophet was not a problem. The problem was finding a prophet who actually spoke for God that you could actually trust. And you might notice if you read the Old Testament that people don't like prophets very much. They're always getting in trouble and being mocked and harassed and dealing with death threats and being threatened by the king or queen. And they generally just had terrible lives because people did not like what they had to say. Even if you read the prophets who have their own books, like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Hosea, all of these prophets who have books named after them, they just don't preach positive messages overwhelmingly. Like there's some positivity, like God will be faithful to you at the end, but generally doom and gloom, judgment and destruction. Some of it is directed at other countries who are oppressing the people of God. So all the Israelites are like, yes, God says I'm gonna burn that nation to the ground because they're oppressing us, we're all for it but a lot of it's actually directed at the Israelites themselves. And then of course they're immediately like, well, we only like judgment when it's on other people. We don't want God to point the finger at us and say, you've been falling off the wagon of worshiping me a million times. I keep saying, here's another chance. Here's another chance. Like again, when you tell your kid to do something and then they just don't do it a million times. I'm sure this will be an experience in my life very soon. So they're falling off the wagon. Nobody wants to know how terribly they're doing. Like if I come up here and I'm like, well, my message today is how you have all completely failed at worshiping God. You've done everything wrong. God will not accept your sacrifice. You're just going around being mean to people. You're doing terrible things. You're not listening. I clearly laid out all of these rules that you need to follow and nobody is listening to me and nobody's doing anything. And so I'm gonna tell you what the consequences of your actions will be, of your own actions. Nobody wants to hear that. Bad news bears, okay? so. Even the king who had 400 prophets, they all confirm this specific message from the Lord. And his first response is, is there any other prophet we can ask? I mean, if 400 people confirm the same thing to you, I would imagine you would think that that's from God, right? And he's like, what, do we have a 401st prophet? Is there anyone who has something else to say other than what God is saying right now? Because I don't want to hear that. So what is the modern equivalent? of an ancient prophet. 
It's not the people you see like on street corners yelling at everyone with megaphones. <laughs> it's not megachurch pastors, no matter how many people are helped by their churches. It's not televangelists, no matter how many people are hearing their voice. And how do I know this? Because prophets aren't popular. They're just not. They speak the hard messages from God that people don't want to hear, usually. Now, we spoke about hearing the voice of God a few weeks ago and how sometimes hard things have to be said. Um, and I, it's difficult. If thousands and thousands of people are following you, probably not a prophet because you're not challenging anyone and that's what prophets do. That's what they always do. Now, I actually have the privilege of knowing a prophet. I'm calling her that. I don't know that she would call herself that. She lives in Georgia. She has tattoos and big hair and she works tirelessly. Like she has dedicated her entire life to serving the homeless population. And she's been through incredible hardship in her life. And we went to the same conservative Christian college and we were on the same academic path, but she spoke the hard words from the Lord. Whereas I was like, let's just go with the status quo. Let's just keep the peace. I don't want anybody to not like me. That would be terrible. And she absolutely refused from like day one to bend to any kind of conservative status quo that did not include justice and inclusion and all of that. And so she actually got kicked out of her denomination. She got her credentials revoked. Um, she's been through a lot. And people still don't want to hear what she has to say because she speaks words from the Lord that sometimes will make the most affable, like, nonchalant Christian just be like, mm, no, that's challenging. Don't ask me to do something. I just want to come and, like, receive the words from the Lord. I just want to feel good about my faith, which is wonderful. We should feel good about our faith. But sometimes God has specific things that we need to do in our lives, and she will challenge you. And people are like, no, thank you. I don't want to hear that. Like, you, I admire her endlessly. I do not have... I don't think I have the spine. I was going to use another word. <laughs> I had to think of one that's appropriate. I don't think I have what she has to have people continually listen to what you have to say and be like, I don't want to hear that message. I don't want to hear you telling me that God wants me to actually stand up and do something with my life, to speak into a situation. And people just don't, this is not going to be popular if you're a prophet because prophets always, always call out oppressive power structures, oppressive policies. Um, they call in their own people who are behaving badly. And they call out the people in charge. So they hold up to account people are in who are in charge for putting all harmful practices in place. And then they call out the people who are following them and who are complicit by not doing anything. And I wanna make a distinction between a prophet with like a capital P and a person who moves in a prophetic realm. So if you have the gift of prophecy, like the New Testament sense, the gift of prophecy, God may give you a specific word for a specific person or a specific group of people at a specific time. And maybe this happens once in your life, maybe it happens all the time in your life, but God will give you something very specific to say in a certain situation. But a prophet in the Old Testament sense has no escape. They cannot move in and out. Their whole life is consumed by this. And it's a reflection of the messages God gives them. And if you see this in many Old Testament prophets, like for example, Ezekiel, laid on his side for a year to prove a point. That's in the Bible. You should read it. 
He also built a fire and cooked food on human excrement to prove a point. Ew, forever unclean. <laughs> okay, like you get my drift. There's many examples of this in the Old Testament where there is no leaving your post if you're a prophet in the Old Testament sense of the word. Even if you get death threats, even if you get kicked out of your denomination, no matter what, you must speak the words from the Lord. As Jeremiah says, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I don't know what that means exactly, but just imagine like a raging fever <sighs> because you have, you're trying to keep the words of the Lord inside of you and not speak them. And always, almost always, the words from the Lord that these prophets speak are a challenge to the people in power, whether that is culturally, politically, or in the church. Like, for example, I'm only going to give you one example because of time. <laughs> but one example is a modern-day prophet would be Martin Luther King Jr. And I don't mean the Martin Luther King Jr., the whitewashed version that everyone quotes on MLK Day to make, them feel, make themselves feel like they're anti-racist. I mean the MLK who said things like, America has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. Our only, or he said this, our only hope today lies in our ability to recapture the revolutionary spirit and go out into a sometimes hostile world declaring eternal hostility to poverty, racism, and militarism. That's not a quote you hear often around Instagram. Right? Why? Because we've, we've toned him down. Because those are hard words to say, hey, you're more interested in your own comfort than you are about the humanity of somebody who is being oppressed. Nobody wants to hear that. He also said, we know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given up by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Yes. True. But these aren't the quotes that get passed around. Right? And we, I say he's a prophet like he was literally murdered for speaking the words of the Lord and calling to account a society that still to this day discriminates against people. Humans created in the image of God who are so valuable and so worthy and so wonderfully gifted and have such a unique place, not a seat at the table, a home in a family that looks like every, like every race and every color. And yet, it didn't end well for him. Because of being a prophet is hard. And how do you know which prophets are true and which are false? Like, if you grew up evangelical like I did, there's a lot of conversation all the time about false prophets, false teachers. And how do you know who's in, who's out when it comes to proclamation? Who, how can you know who to trust? And actually, these questions are asked over and over again about Jesus. When Jesus shows up, like, we make Jesus into, like, this really nice blonde-haired, white-robed, beauty queen Jesus, <laughs> which, I mean, whatever. You can have a Jesus that looks like you. That's fine. But have we whitewashed Jesus as well? Because Jesus was brown, and Jesus spoke hard words to the people in charge of the religion and to the people who were running the empire. He was crucified. He was murdered because of the hard words that he spoke from God, from God and as God. And yet people were questioning, is he really from God? Is he just some rando 
speaking crazy talk. We don't know. And if we have a question about whether someone is speaking the truth, we have to turn to what we know about God's priorities. And over and over again in the Bible, these are God's priorities. Liberation. Freedom for the captive. Anyone who is oppressed. Interdependence. Imagination. The embodied experience. People being able to be who they fully are and be accepted and loved in community with other people and with God. The flourishing of all of creation, not just a tiny part of creation who holds all the resources. The flourishing of all of creation. This is God's priority. And these are all things that Jesus demonstrated with his death and his life and his resurrection. And the words of a true prophet will always call us to bear this fruit. It will be challenging because we like to be comfy. I love to be comfy. I love to not give up anything. I love to not make my life harder. I love to say no. I'm like, and you know, we always say no nicely. And I don't mean, please mis don't misunderstand me. I do not mean that you can never say no in your life and set appropriate boundaries. This is healthy and necessary. Don't let people walk all over you. You need to understand your mental health. You need to understand your place in your, in your life, where you are, and set those boundaries. But if God says, hey, I need you to step up. I need you to show up. I need you to put some effort into this. We're like, no. Is that God? Is there a 401st prophet that has a different answer for me? <laughs> I don't really want to like give up my Sunday morning <laughs> and listen to church. I don't really want to like serve someone else because it might be hard and I have these, all these things going on and it's just so much. I don't really want to have to do the work to investigate and read and research how other people and other cultures are oppressed. I just want to like live my life. It's fine. God's fine with me. But what are God's priorities? Liberation and freedom and in the flourishing of all creation. And those should be our priorities as well. And the words of a true prophet will always call us to that. They will demand change from us. Call us to be better. Call us to repent. And we don't talk a lot, like I know some churches talk a lot about repentance. We don't talk, I guess, a lot about repentance here, but sometimes it's not, repentance is not like when you've messed up. Sometimes it is. Like I did this thing, I am sorry. This is why it was wrong. And in the future, I will do this so that I don't do this to you. That's a good apology. Not sorry that you feel that way. <laughs> this is what I did. This is why I understand why it harmed you and I won't do that again. That's a good apology. But we sometimes have to repent of things that we're not actively participating in, that are just part of our life, part of our culture. Like I have to repent sometimes for not even giving other people a second thought, for being so consumed with myself that I fail to notice the struggle of the other person who is just as important and valuable to God as me. And if I think that I'm valuable to God, which I do think I am, <laughs> I'm not the one who has a, a monopoly on that. Every person is unique and beautiful and created in the image of God and so valuable. Prophets will call us to take up the cross. And we've talked about this before. The true message of Jesus, come and die. Oh, what a wonderful slogan. <laughs> I want to sign up for that religion that talks about being murdered. <laughs> yeah, 
Pick up your cross and follow me. If you want to be part of this faith community that is actually going to change the world, that is actually going to make a difference in the lives of people, pick up your cross. And yes, the cross of Jesus, but we have to understand the cross of Jesus is also a symbol for every marginalized and every oppressed person and every victimized person that our society has crucified and discarded as though they were worthless. So what do we do when we're confronted by a word from the Lord? We pick up the cross. Even if it's not my cross, we have to pick up the cross and carry it as if the struggle of this other person or this other group of people who may look differently than us, may sound differently, may believe differently, as if their struggle was my own personal struggle. And we do not get to decide (laughs) who God chooses to speak through which is hard for us. I know it's hard for me. So I don't like how the message is being said. I want them to be nicer. (laughs) So it's coming from an angry voice. It might come from a loud voice. It might come from a voice speaking a different language. It might come from a voice that does not pull any punches, that maybe doesn't take our feelings into account when saying this is wrong and it needs to be rectified. It doesn't matter. If God's priorities are front and center, then we have a sacred duty to listen and respond. And right now, like, the church is often called out for being irrelevant. (laughs) And, I mean, rightfully so. Because it's a waste of time if all we come here to do is point fingers at other people who need to change. The, The world's pointing its fingers at us. They're saying, you need to change. Like we should be pointing the fingers at ourselves and say, how can I live fully in faith? How can this miraculous thing that's happened in my life where I had hope or I didn't have hope before, where I have grace for people and I didn't have grace before, where I have freedom to be who I am and I didn't feel free before, how can that transform how I interact with other people? Moses was a person raised in Pharaoh's house by Pharaoh's daughter. So he knew he was like the richest kid. He had incredible wealth and privilege at his fingertips. But he was also a baby left in a grassy riverbank because Pharaoh was killing everyone. He was hidden in a basket so he could escape death from the very empire that was trying to kill him. He was then raised by. So he has to confront the parts of himself as he becomes this prophet for the Israelites. What starts with his confrontation against Pharaoh When he's like, let my people go. We're getting out of here. Bye. It was much longer than that, but that's essentially the summary of the Old Testament. Bye. Once this happens and he confronts Pharaoh and he calls out all of these injustices and Pharaoh finally lets the Israelites go, he then has to turn towards himself and turn towards the people of Israel. And they're not directed outwards any longer, but they're directed inwards. And in a similar way, our stories are mirrors for us. We have to look at ourselves and say, okay, I have to have a little discernment. I have to have a little wisdom. What power and privilege do I have? What, what do I carry in to every situation that I'm in? And what do I have to discard or set aside or actively kill in my life so that new life can grow? Why do we pull weeds so that plants can grow. Fruit and vegetables and flowers. 
what do we have to pull out so that new life can grow in our hearts? And this takes courage. Like it can feel terrifying to speak the word of God as revealed in your life. It may cost you power, it may cost you authority, it may cost you reputation, it may cost you family, it may cost you friends, it may cost you your job, <laughs> it may cost you a lot. But if we can remove beyond our resistance to change, our own desire to keep things as a status quo, then we might be able to recognize that our own individual stories of transformation are this wonderful gift from God for the entire community to share in. Because God says, look at what your life has become. Look at where you feel free now. Look at how you're being who you are. Look at how being accepted and loved and valued has transformed you. Now go share that with someone else. Go give someone else the opportunity to be free. Go give someone else the opportunity to be accepted and loved. If we can just get past our resistance to change and our desire to be comfy and listen to the prophets that say you can do better. Not doing better for the sake of doing better, doing better because God has called us to live as though faith matters in our life. As though it means something beyond, I believe in Jesus. So I just invite you, we have two more songs. So I just invite you to reflect, like what part of your life can you start sharing with other people? Where have you been challenged in the past year? Where have your opinions or your thoughts or your prejudices been challenged? And where can you be more open? Where can you give up space so that someone else can speak? And then I'll come back and give you a benediction and then we'll go to brunch. Cause there's nothing like hearing a message on prophecy and then eating sandwiches <laughs> and drinking beers or non-beers if you are in that place where I currently am. So let's stand um, and then our excellent band has two beautiful songs for you.